Yeah, I'm recording right now. I'm just waiting on Liz. I just had to post something on Facebook about how we're recording. He's Aaron. No. No. She's Elizabeth. No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm Jonathan. Welcome to the Jonathan Show, everybody. we've become as of late prophetic yeah as in we say things that surely won't happen and yet by us just sending that energy out into the universe the thing does happen what happened now so they're making another disney live action remake of what just guess oh let's see they're they've already done beauty and the beast and cinderella and they're doing lion king and aladdin you remember when we were talking last week about how, well, there's only so many of the good Disney movies before they start getting into the ones that mm, I don't know about? Little Mermaid? No. I, I'm i honest. I mean, they're doing Dumbo, which is really terrible. Uh, Josh Gad will play the leading role and is the producer on it, if that helps you in any way. That's right. Ratatouille. Pocahontas. No. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh. Yep, it's been noticed. Josh Gad's producing it. He's probably going to play The Hunchback. They're also working for some reason on Lady and the Tramp. I don't know why they keep pretending that live-action Disney remakes can include animated animal movies. At least there were some humans in Lady and the Tramp, but not a lot. But yeah, I know we said last time, like, oh, you know, they are probably going to do Hunchback next because that's next in the canon. So yeah, they are. Conspicuously missing is Pocahontas from this lineup, and I can only imagine that is because of the, oh, I don't know, the racial terrible overtones, or the fact that Moana is pretty much the exact same movie, but better. It's not the exact same it movie. It's pretty close. Indigenous woman who has a feeling for the water. It's, it represents freedom to her, and her father's telling her to take her place among the people, but she doesn't want that. She wants something more, and she goes to her wise spirit grandma, and spirit grandma says, no, you actually are destined for more. There's a whole breakdown on Lindsay Ellis' channel. She can tell you more about it. But yeah, we have to really stop saying these things on the podcast. She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. We also have a third person in the studio today. And I'm Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> and Jonathan has joined us before, I believe, with Stephen to talk about He's joined other times beyond just Air with Force Steven. One. Uh, John, do you remember what the other episode? Uh, we talked about Christmas movies, but let's not get into that before an argument breaks out. <laughs> We've mellowed since then. We aren't nearly so. I think we had a ceasefire at best. That's um, about right. But I'm not gonna lie, guys. I haven't listened to a podcast since you guys did that thing on Scooby Doo. So, um, <laughs> hey, here I am. That's okay. We've gotten a little better. We have nice fancy mics and a desk we can all sit at, and we have sponsors now. Yes, today's show is brought to you by. Audible. Audible is offering our listener a free audio bo- uh, listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com/marriedtotheidea and browse the unmatched selection and of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com/marriedtotheidea. 
And when we get to the sponsor dome, we'll tell you about this week's recommendation. Uh, but if you want to learn more about us, you can find us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. Email us at Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. And if you need any of those links, you can visit our website, Married to the Idea. We also have links to all of our episodes. We are in season three. And with the introduction of season three this year, we also started our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Married to the Idea, where you can give us just free money because we deserve it. Or if you want something in exchange for that dough you can go up to higher tiers to get special behind the scenes content like trailer reaction videos and even join the sponsor dome with whatever it is you want us to talk about and plug for you also we found out recently that any place uh, rather any app that uses the itunes credentials to place the podcasts into the app yeah we're on soundcloud but then we're also on itunes because you have to be hosted somewhere. Yeah. The internet is a strange and mysterious thing full of RSS feeds and other technical jargon that I don't know about. Yeah. So, but if you want to listen to our podcast on the go, uh, if as there's long as a million ways to do it, as long as it's populated on iTunes, it's there. Like I use uh, a, a very specific podcast app and i'm pretty sure we're on there too so well in addition to having a guest on tonight this is a very momentous evening uh this will be the last evening that any of us has not seen avengers endgame it's sad really the end of an era i'm kind of surprised you guys aren't talking about uh game of thrones but then i realized you guys neither one of you watch game of thrones so it's our guess we can't talk about it it's our big pop culture blind spot where's jonathan don't you know we're one of the one percent that don't watch game of thrones i really should like it i love fantasy i love dragons i really should be into it and i am just not but i think you're also not into like rape and like violent murder deaths so that's probably what does that say about the fans though I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are gonna be. Uh, don't don't get us wrong. We will. We are gonna talk about Endgame exclusively next episode. But for now, Thanos demands your silence. Remember, don't post any spoilers. Don't troll anybody. I have already lost one friend over somebody. I don't know if he was making a joke or if he watched like the leak stuff. But um, I'm not taking chances. We had discussed that it was the best way to break up with someone you don't like anymore, but don't have the courage to do so. Just spoil Endgame for them. And I'm like, I I am all for, I think you should cut those toxic relationships. Uh, Several years ago, somebody ruined the whole Han Solo thing for me for Force Awakens. Um, That person's dead to me. And I sent them a message letting them know. And they're no longer in my life, so. You're right, John. Those toxic people do not deserve to be one of your friends. I'm just sitting over here uh, in the the world of how many times has Liz told me to stop hyping things up, and here you are hyping up. This isn't hype. This is letting people know that they need to be- This is a be... public service announcement. Yeah, this is a PSA. The more you know, Aaron. Don't be Can that guy. Can we get to the actual subject at hand? Yeah, so we're going to talk about other superheroes in the meantime, since this is our last night of uh, Avengers, pre-Avengers bliss. We're going to talk about another superhero, different than the Avengers, the Umbrella Academy, which recently was adapted for a Netflix TV series. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff with it. Well, we're going to talk about some comparisons to the original source material, because it's unavoidable, these comparisons, but we're really going to try and judge the 10 episodes based on their own merits, because only some of us in the group today have experience with this material before it was actually a TV series. Well, in reality, John and I have 
the experience in the comic books. It, not, only you don't have the experience well, in the comic books. one of us didn't have a punk emo face, so they really didn't in- get to be part Excuse of this. Squeeze me? I didn't. Uh, one in three children will experience non-comic book emo face. Do you know where your kids are? <laughs> I was an artist. I was doing other bad things, like getting into acrylics. So where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the series itself, or do we want to start with a comic okay, book comparison? Because so I, I think there's going to be a lot of, oh, in the comic this happened, and in the series this happened. Let's just go ahead and talk about the comic and the series. We can make our comparisons, and then at some point we should have like a no comic rule, and we'll actually talk about the series. And get into spoiler town. Yeah, are, are we going to slap a spoiler I on I think you should now? go ahead and do it just in case, because like... I mean, you never know what we could talk about. Yeah. I will say it has been out for a bit. We try to wait with the TV series to wait a little bit longer so people have a time to actually watch it. <laughs> well, that and we took our time watching yeah, it. We didn't that, binge that, it or anything. They don't have to know about the backstory of this. And I think that's uh, enough for your spoiler warning, right? <laughs> so, All right. So, spoiler warning. So, spoilers. So, if you haven't watched Umbrella Academy, we are going we might spoil some of it for you. We don't want to run anything. So, if you want to skip ahead to a previous episode. <laughs> um, I remember I was on a Christmas episode, if you want to look several seasons back. <laughs> I really did enjoy it, so I would recommend it before we even get into it. I really liked this TV show a lot. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, throw my recommendation out there for it, too. Uh, the actors are great. The song choices are fabulous. For, the, um, for like, 99% part. 99%? Who is your, what's your 1%? I'll get into that. Let's do it. Tell me. We're here now. You have to tell me. It's spoiler zone. You must tell me. Oh, you know what I'm saying? For the 99% part, I mean, I don't like that they did not have any My Chemical Romance in it. (laughs) I hate that 100%. Now, Aaron, for those of us, the one in three who weren't punk emo people, uh, why is that important to have that? Because the original comic, uh, Umbrella Academy of the same name, was written by Gerard Way, the lead singer, guitarist, and pretty much lyricist, I want to say. I'm not sure how many songs he wrote for My Chemical Romance. Um, I remember you originally telling me about Gerard Way, and um, I had heard the, I guess when people had their punk goth emo phase in 2001, uh, we all listened to, uh, like, uh, I'm Not Okay and Helena uh, from My Chemical Romance, and those were, those are, like, introductory songs, and then a few years later, Black Parade came along, but you were telling me about Gerard Way and how um, he had like a very Freddie Mercury essence about him, and he was just a very good lyricist and all these things. And then when Black Parade came out, it was like one of the greatest albums. Most people just went out and bought that album, and even if you haven't heard anything from like Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge or anything like that, um, Black Parade is like the quintessential My Chemical Romance album. So... I followed it, and then somebody told me about Umbrella Academy and that he was working on that and just trying to be supportive of the band. I was like, well, yeah, I'll check it out, and I ended up uh, reading his comic, and this was maybe I was fresh out of high school checking this out, so this is at least 13 years old. I remember, for some reason, either reading the first one or the second one because uh, you at a time were working at uh, the CW, mm-hmm. Um, at a pretty cool job where you basically made sure the shows ran correctly. I worked in, so a little background on master control work is you sit in a dark room and make sure nothing breaks. Since most things are automated these days, you just need to know how the machines work. And it was the 
one of the easiest and best jobs I've ever had. For that specific channel, I now work for a TV station that has local news. Like, their master control does a whole lot more. Like, you got... Yeah, because you guys have live news. Yeah. But that's besides the point. Yeah. The point is, this job enabled me to have time to read the Umbrella Academy while I worked. I know and, it's still important. Even before the TV series came out, it was stocked at pretty much every comic book store that I went to. The art style is so... I don't even want to say unique, but it's such a breath of fresh air, and the writing is is really well done. It's not amazing God-tier-esque like a lot of people want to say it is, but it is still really good. It's very solid, especially when you think of like, oh my god, it's just it's Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. Because a lot of times people will try to venture out into other territories, and they do a decent job. Like, Kevin Smith did a uh, a Batman, like a, was a three-part series? At yeah, uh, Cacophony. 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 Cacophony, yeah. And that was, honestly, it's one of the best Batman stories I've ever read. But that's because Kevin Smith is a writer. Well, I, honestly, that's the uh, the first comic book I ever went out and bought. So I got to give props to Kevin Smith for letting me check that out. <laughs> um, so I would like to go ahead and start. Let's let's make a few comparisons to uh, the comic because when the show opens, it's basically uh, it's basically the same. I don't remember the shot. I, like, I don't want to say it's shot for shot. No, not at all. Not at all shot for shot. Yeah. The, the opening of Umbrella Academy is them of uh, these women spontaneously giving birth. Uh, with, with the comic, the story is there was a wrestling match in which a giant squid and the, the human champion were having a wrestling match. And the human body slammed the squid so hard that all these women suddenly gave birth. And they kind of leave that part out. Boy, I'm but so glad they did because that would have been that's, so lost. Oh, yeah. That is so much worse. But wouldn't you also, just like a, a little morbid part of you, wants to see a person body slam a giant squid? Just a little bit. Like so hard that women spontaneously give birth? Is that a little bit of a reference to Watchmen? Because the orig- isn't in the original Watchmen the whole thing that uh, What's-His-Face is trying to do is to bring a giant squid to Earth? Uh, No. Uh, they're in Watchmen, like, like not the, only, the movie, the no, no, comic. No, the comic. The only difference between the movie and comic in Watchmen is is the the monster, but it's not like a squid. It's like a Cthulhu type thing. But okay. you know, like they don't even dive into it. It's just like you see it for like one shot. But um, with Umbrella Academy, the opening scene is just a little different. I think it's because they thought the squid thing was too much, and people would just be like, "No, f this, going on in the next show." And I gotta be honest, I like the change better. And that's fine. And that's yeah. fine. Um, it seems to give it greater importance. Like, what mystical cosmic event could have caused this to happen? There must be greater meaning, greater importance. It leaves the question unanswered. They never touch on it. Like, why did these women get pregnant? Why did it happen in a like a day, a moment? And like, they never answer it. And it's perfectly fine. I'm okay with it. Uh, but one man decides to collect as many of these children born at the same time on the same day from around the world as possible. He ends up collecting seven. Yeah. And it shows us a little bit of – they don't do the whole thing chronologically. There's some throwbacks. Nor do some, they in the comics. Yeah. They're like I guess what you got to know in the comics is they, they call it the Eiffel Tower incident. You never see what that is. But there's, like, clips in the background of the first uh, few episodes where you can see, like, newspapers on the wall. It's like, the Umbrella Academy saves the Eiffel Tower or things like that. But they just call it the um, the Eiffel Tower incident, 
which is like where the Umbrella Academy premiered and saved the day and got really famous. And then beyond that, it's kind of still the same straightforward family all coming back together for their father's funeral. Mm-hmm. Because in the, the show, the first time that they show up, it's just a bank robbery, I think. The first time that we ever see them, and they've yeah. been established since then. Oh, they had so they had been established. I I, I guess I didn't understand. It was that just a way for them to show off their fault. powers to the audience to be like, ah, gotcha. oh, here's what they do. So they had already been established at that point. Gotcha. There's a lot of the show that they change or they change for the show that honestly I felt like they improved on, but we'll we'll touch on that in just a little so, bit. So um, as far as comics go, Umbrella Academy was, uh, released two volumes. And they have a third that I think has been printed but not put into production. You can maybe pre-order it in some places. I remember originally, and this is still almost 10 years ago, Gerard's way saying he wanted to do 10, no, sorry, eight, uh, eight issues of Umbrella Academy. So I don't know what has happened there, but I'm hoping with the success of the series that those other comics will He'll, he'll be motivated to work on those comics since this series has been so successful. Um, and even if he can't put it into comic form, maybe he'll let the series uh, be the vision that he really wanted it to go with. So with that in mind, the first two comics actually have a lot to do with the series. This first season follows mostly the first one but has aspects of the second compendium like hazel and cha-cha hazel and cha-cha are not mentioned in the first one they are characters in the second they're very minor characters and um the masks they wear like the the bunny hoods uh they're always wearing that in the comics so they don't have there's way more depth to hazel and cha-cha in the series then there are comics, which normally you can't say for characters um, when you go from a book to uh, film adaptation or screen adaptation. Yeah, because usually they're cut entirely or they're cut down so much. Like, look look at uh, Peeves, the ghost. I mean, his t- character is cut entirely. So You got eight movies and you left out a whole character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they these... expanded them without sacrificing the development of our main cast. Exactly. Like, they found areas to expand – without sacrificing these great characters and that's one thing i have to i have to point out i remember reading the comic and be like okay i like this story i like this concept i really don't care about these characters really yeah okay so in the series the tv series number four is kind of generally a jackass but he's got his reasons but he's kind of generally a jackass number four number five Number four. The the horror? No. Or the time, time travel? traveler. Time, time traveler is number five. Number five. Number five? Okay. Number f- I thought he was number four. He's number five. Number five. Because his name he, is number five. If he was number four, I would have been making those I am number four jokes the entire time, and I never did. Oh. Number five. Um. So number five is generally a jackass. He's kind of... He's kind of mean to everybody, real short. Doesn't really give ever, anyone the time of day. Oh, he still is. Like, he's No, no, I'm saying... In the series, yeah. Okay. No, in the series. In the in the the comic, from what I remember, now it's been a long time since I've read them, but from what I remember, everybody was pretty much a dick in the comics. <laughs> like rumor was a hell of a lot more selfish and whiny. Uh, Space Boy was not really um, a, he wasn't a great leader and didn't really care that he wasn't a great leader. 
Uh, Kraken was just a overall asshole. Um, Does Klaus remain unscathed? Klaus doesn't really have much of a character that I remember. Actually, in Klaus, I think his character is a little more developed in the series again. Yeah. And he's 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 drawn very strangely like um almost like he's a mannequin or puppet in in the comics and even like um number one you guys told me that he is pretty much just a human head spliced into a monkey body which is not what it's like in the series no they and i was wondering how the hell they were gonna do that i'm okay with this i'm i'm yeah i'm i'm okay with it too it's interesting. It's it's un it's weird. It's unearthly, but it's not unbelievable. And it's just on. Un- it's just weird enough to fit into the series too, because this entire series has enough of that weird. That um, was that the Pie Maker series, um, where like he could touch dead people and they come back to life for like a minute. Oh, pushing daisies. Pushing daisies. Where it's that that enough of that weird kind of series. Well, so. this has a uh, visual style out the wazoo. Yeah. Um, but I cared for each of these characters. I wanted each of these characters to, to succeed. Even number five, with him being a bit of a dick. like <laughs> A bit. It, he's the one I cared about the least, but I still cared for him. Like, I wanted to see everyone succeed, even Vanya. Like, even when I knew she was going down the wrong path, I still wanted her to, like, figure it out and, oh, like, go back to her family. All right, so let's talk about Vanya. In the comics... Uh, Vanya meets a man called the composer and she still does her violin thing. And so the composer you think is going to be like the main villain of the story. Uh, and he starts taking Vanya under his wing and teaching her, uh, to play. And he's the whole first uh, series called the apocalypse suite, a song that uh, his orchestra is going to play. The composer is like, we're going to play the Apocalypse Suite. It's going to bring about the end of the world. So he's like, Vanya's got to be first chair violin on it. And he, in turn, helps Vanya unlock her powers. Now, like, she's been treated just the same as she was in the series. Like, very sheltered and very, oh, no, she never had powers. She was a disgrace to her, her father. And when she starts working with the composer, he injects her with something. And she discovers her powers and becomes the white violin. And the costume change is drastically different. I don't like it in the series. Like, it fits more Ellen Page, who plays Vanya, who I gotta admit, I don't know if they could have picked a better actress for this role for Vanya. Like, she plays Vanya when she's a little bit more subtle. Like, she plays the subtle parts really, really well because when she goes to the extremes later on in the series, later on in the, the, the you know, near the 10th episode or so, I believe it because you see the progression thanks to the, the visuals and the direction. So Ellen Page did a fan-freaking-tastic job. That was a perfect pick. I don't really the, – the costume fit Ellen Page, but that – costume from the comic is so iconic yeah, it's so it's hard. way more in depth and like she looks like a human violin that was so much better so what they're doing with the composer i think they kind of um imported that personality on leonard the the yeah. manipulative boyfriend so in the comics halfway through the composer gives her his powers and he's like why don't you give us a demonstration and Vanya plays her violin and just rips the composer in half. Like, that's her power. And, like, just 
it's very grotesque and bloody, and he's just annihilated. And so you're just like, oh, God, that was the main villain, and like I got half this book to go. <laughs> and Vanya's like, well, the show must go on. We're going to play the Apocalypse Suite. That's how she becomes white violin. Um, so there's a, a little bit different direction between the abusive boyfriend and the uh, the composer or the conductor originally. It's very uh, the way you describe the composer is very fan of the opera. Like here's my ingenue. And he has that look. He has a very Tim Burtony look about him. He looks very um, like a vampire, like a count. He has like the pop collar and the black. Um, overcoat. I like the idea of the Lord of Time. Well, it's not Lord of Time, but the woman who is in charge of the bureau that manages the flux of time. I like it much more that instead of just a human being saying, well, I'm going to bring about the end of the world because reasons, which is always a supervillain thing to do. This way, it's it's supposed to happen because time has said it's supposed to happen, so we just have to make sure it happens. So the contrast with that, I'm going to go, we're still going to do the comics a little bit. Oh, yeah, please. So the the Mistress of Time person you're talking about in the series, in the comics, she it, that's that's not who it is. Uh, number five's boss is like this robot person with a fish tank head, <laughs> and it's hilarious, <laughs> but not at all what was portrayed. I see. I don't remember. Like, I only remember a certain amount from the second book. Like, I remember one super iconic panel from the second one, and I'm I'm not gonna say it here because it could possibly spoil the second season. And I'm not gonna say anything on that. Like, I don't even think I've said it to you, Liz, and I'm not going to. But like, I only remember that panel really. So, um, it's so weird that these uh, that they've pulled so much from the second one but then they've left possibly so much in so but i that is something that is interesting that they have been successfully able to use as much as they have from the first one and pull elements from the second one so it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with the second season the story of the family is more important than the story of the apocalypse and I'm glad that they're continuing. The, the apocalypse is the end of the world is the overarching. That's the big conflict. But the conflict that we care about, that we want to see resolved, is this interior conflict within this family unit. And now that they've gone through a lot of stuff from one and two, it'll be interesting now that time travel is once again in the mix to say, what are they going to do in the next one? It's kind of like Game of Thrones. You already did everything we have written down, so now we're going into unfettered territory here. I, I don't think. You're qualified to talk about Game of Thrones. So, <laughs> well, John, when you do a Game of Thrones fan cast, uh, you can invite us on that and I don't, us. I don't have my own podcast yet. I have had ideas for podcasts, but that, that's neither here there nor there. So, um, any more to say about the, like the comics? Um, like, there's little things we can touch on. Like, apparently, Klaus can't use his powers without his shoes or something like that. But that's not a <laughs> that's not a real thing. I mean, he is mostly barefoot in the series. I think that's so that's kind of fun. But fun little nod. I don't. I, I don't. And then thing, at, at one point in the series, uh, Vanya has blood running down her neck, and it, I think that's a subtle reference to the iconic. Oh yeah, I, uh, I saw that. I remember what you're talking about. Like it's is episode eight or nine, where um, she's got blood all over, her, and yeah, she does kind of look like 
She she oh. I think it's a, I think it's a subtle reference is what it is. Um I I don't and again I I don't know if this is a comic thing or a series th- or just could be a serious thing but she wears very dark colors at the very be- Vanya does at the very beginning of the series and then slowly when after she meets Leonard um and stops taking her medicine or realizes she stops taking her medicine she slowly starts wearing like gray like dark grays lighter grays and then eventually she's shown in a white shirt and it's it's not i mean it's subtle and not subtle at the same time but it's one of those like cool kind of you see her progression of it too so what would you guys prefer the comic or the television series at this point uh, honestly, if I, if I had to pick the television series, it's very rare that you can say the movie is better than the book or the show is better than the book. And um, the only other time I've used that is Poet Anderson, which I would suggest I for a podcast. Say, have we talked about? I was gonna say Angels and Airwaves. It got a lot of vibes going on about a singer or band making maybe some sort of a content. maybe a future podcast could be on that because I am your Ava f- um, fanatic. I've only seen the um, the one little thing about it. I haven't seen like the full movie. And there's a book too, or read the book. Um, but in this case, um, for Umbrella Academy. I gotta go with the series. Like the series actually expands more on the characters. I cared so much more about each single one of these characters, like Kraken and um, and Klaus. God, I loved Klaus. Like Klaus this. was great, and honestly, there are scenes from the comic I would like to see. And maybe as just my nature, I don't mind grotesque violence. The death of Pogo is tragic in the comic. Um, it, it's sad in the series, but it's a very Red Wedding shock moment. So Vanya comes back to the Academy with her new powers, and she's shown up, and none of the Umbrella Academy is there except uh, Pogo, and he's on the balcony, and I think they have a, a brief exchange, and she pulls the strings on her violin and just levels the mansion. But there's a scene of Pogo just getting ripped to shreds and it's there's guts and brains flying out and it's gross. And honestly, like I kind of wanted to see, I, I figured because of that, he'd probably die, but I kind of wanted to see like this violent grotesque, moment <laughs> That's of, of- like but also like to see like the sheer raw power that Vanya held well you as Game of Thrones fans would want that kind of violence <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is a great point to enter uh, the sponsor dome. Yeah, enter the sponsor dome, and uh, we'll we'll take do the sponsor dome real quick, and then we'll jump back in for a dissection of the series. So you're gonna do your thing. I'm gonna do my thing, but when we get back into the uh, back into the dissection of the series, I actually have a a question slash conspiracy theory for you guys. Okay. Because that's, uh, that's a nice little tease. Yeah, I thought you guys might like that. So <clears throat> today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com/slash/married to the idea. 
and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash to the idea to get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. Like... Uh, like this week's recommendation, uh, we have recently b- before talked about Nimona, which was a graphic novel that Audible took and adapted into a stage play for the si- series uh, for the site, which I think is really super cool. Um, so we wanted to see if there were other comic adaptations like that, uh, and we came across Lock and Key, L O C K E and Key, um, and it's this made for Audible content. Uh, Pretty much it's a family who have to leave California and go back to Massachusetts to their ancestral home. So a little bit of a tie-in there. Uh, but while there, they discover these all these locked doors that can transform people who walk through them. It's very Lovecraftian. Uh, it's a, a creature is prowling the house. It's, it's very dark. Uh, and the cool thing about it is that they have over 50 voice actors and a score to bring this thing to life. So it's like another actual stage production. And didn't you say like Haley Joel Osment was Haley one of Joel the... Haley Joel Osment is in this. Uh, Tatiana Maslany, which you may uh, know from Orphan Black. Kate Mulgrew from Orange is the New Black. So a bunch of people who have previous experience all working together on this production. Uh, and I really like, I, I love the idea of the radio broadcast, how you have sound design, the lightning of the, of the aluminum paper. <laughs> we don't have a soundboard uh, here, but if we did. Oh, what is it called? Uh, when you, when you make the sounds, uh, oh crap. I'm forgetting. Dubstep. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Folly. Um, Foley. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yes, we, that's our recommendation this week. Give that a, uh try and to download your free audiobook or audio program go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea again that's audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started all right give us that conspiracy theory well i want to talk about uh, we'll, we'll get to it don't worry i've got it locked in my mind <laughs> uh so i've got i just have to say this I ship Hazel and um, Ethel. I ship them hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one of those extra layers of characters that you never got. Like, I think um, Agnes. Is it or is Agnes? it Agnes? Is it Agnes? It's Ethel or Agnes. Oh, it's, it's time one of to those look it up now. old names. So, in um, like the first or second episode, you get introduced to this donut shop. Would you think, oh, Agnes. It's, it's, it's Agnes. Agnes. Okay. Uh, you get introduced to this donut shop, and like you think it's just a setting for this awesome fight scene that happens, and then it turns out that one of the characters, the assassination characters, ends up falling for the donut shop lady, and it's so goddamn adorable. They're really like adorable together. They're amazing. Like she's just, and I love that she's just so accepting. Like even after like finding out he's a crazy assassin, she's like. Well, everybody's got a past. Like, just, it was very um, oh. some like it hot moment. Oh my god, yes. Nobody's uh, perfect. And uh, yeah, that that was a le- level of cha cha that like you didn't get, or Hazel. Hazel sorry, yeah. le- level of Hazel you didn't get in the comics because they were very one dimensional in the comics. Um, the two dimensions were so important for this because just to have two crazy assassins who just want to bring about the end of the world because it's part of their job. 
not nearly as interesting as them within their own dynamic of working together being like, well, actually, you know, I kind of want to leave this whole thing behind and the other partner feeling abandoned and betrayed. Like, you're going to leave me after all this? We've done this whole thing together forever. You're just going to leave me for some donut tart? And, yeah, in contrast... A love story for the ages. <laughs> I love uh, Agnes and Hazel. I love that whole thing. I don't necessarily care for Chacha. She's not the worst character in the whole series. I don't really know if we would be crowned that title um but i don't and i and it's not mary j blige and i think mary j blige does the best that she can with this character but i just don't really care for it as much uh her i don't know how much of the stunts she did but either which way the fight scenes are choreographed beautifully that's one thing that's another thing this series does amazingly is the fight choreography it's not cut to death you see everything it's often paired with a really great song <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about that the music in umbrella academy like i'll i'll buy that soundtrack because like i'm sure the first three or four episodes like aaron did you pick out all the songs here <laughs> because i remember it was um it was uh, queen. There, there's a lot of songs was that there, queen? Yeah, there was there's don't stop me now yeah. in oh. the uh the convenience store um it's in a fight scene and there's a uh, Istanbul, mm-hmm. not Constantinople. Oh yeah, from they might so, be giants. I was so happy. And I was for just that. like picked out all these songs that I remember from being a teenager. And I'm like, oh, I love this song. I remember this song. I remember this song. And then I kept hearing all these songs. I'm like, this is a great uh, soundtrack. Um, and I think part of it was like they were paired with the same time period as My Chemical Romance. Yeah, and even though they're not the same genre, they fit really well. Um, Queen, obviously not. That's that's more. Uh, 70s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Guys, we'll be happy to know that in addition to The Doors and Fits in the Tantrums, Gerard Way did have a song in this. It's called Happy Together with him and Ray Toro. So so Gerard Way covered Yeah, but that's not what I was wanting. We want we wanted roll credits uh, the Black Parade to play, right? Yeah. That's or, what we all want. Or just something My Chemical Romance. Even like dead? Even, <laughs> yeah, or like teenagers or something, you know? I don't fucking care i take anything that i was like at the end now the end song is i love that fucking song um what was the end song oh god it's it's the one that they play in the 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 trailer that you have for uh for netflix um crap it's uh Hang on, I'll look it up. Is it Radiohead? No, God no. Fuck no. I hate Radiohead. Well, of course, Lindsay Sterling did her Fenner of the Opera. Right. Oh, so Lindsay Sterling, which I saw live a couple years ago, and she waved at me, which I'll always like to bring up any chance I get. Um, Anyway, I saw that, and uh, the opening of the series is Lindsay Sterling playing Phantom of the Opera. So as soon as the series started, I'm like, oh, this is Lindsay Sterling. First few strings I heard. I'm like, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I remember she does this song. I'm like, no, 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 this is actually Lindsey Sterling's cover of the song on here. Um, the whole the whole soundtrack's just amazing. And they pair them well, like lots of wings with the titles of the songs being like, one of them is I Think We're Alone Now, and it's after everyone's been gone to their separate corners, and it's like, okay, I think that's it, now we're on. But it's more like we're on our own now. There's always little things, uh, and then the, like the the hoppy doo woppy songs during giant fights, like uh, sunshine lollipops and rainbows everywhere, and it's all during just this bloody 
battle. Uh, there are a lot of really iconic scenes in this. Uh, the ice cream truck just driving by as time stops and just Klaus just <laughs> leaning out like a dog, a golden retriever out the window of the van, and you just hear the music tinkling in the background as it comes up. Uh, I really dig there's so many iconic scenes in this whole series every episode has a good there, there are no flab it's all drive yeah and like um to touch back on the the fight choreography i actually watched like a side-by-side comparison of the the actors who played um you know space boy uh tom uh, it starts with an h uh, yeah tom something Aaron, where's your imdb logic uh, well anyways uh space boy but uh tom Luther, Tom Hopper, Luther and Diego, respectively. Yes. Um, the they have a fight either the first or second episode in the uh, in the courtyard of the whole building, and it's it's a really nice like hand to hand fight that they both are they're not equally matched but they're pretty much well matched, and it's and it shows them uh, practicing it, and like without any of like the special effects or makeup or anything like that. And you realize these two guys do most of the fight themselves. Like, there's barely any stunt work outside of these two guys. And it's pretty well awesome. I've actually been seeing Tom Hopper pop up a lot more. He's actually in an episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, oh, there you go. And um, he's only in, like, one episode, and he dies um, because Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, but I also started watching a series on Hulu called Black Flag. Um, and he's in that, too. So he's, like... a. Pirate, Is he a pirate first or a red mate. Coat? He's okay. a pirate, obviously. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so, and like he's he's a buff dude um, in all these uh, series. Like, so I think Tom Hopper in general is just a very muscular dude. Well, there's one scene when they kind of it's it's called the day that wasn't. That was a really cool episode. All right, so Liz is groaning because she hates time travel. So Liz, tell me what what your thoughts on this episode. Honestly, I don't hate time travel. The problem is it invites close scrutiny. And the idea that time travel can be manipulated in such a way that we could still recognize the world around us is laughable to me on most fronts. The idea that if you just change, we know, all know about the butterfly effect. If you change one thing, the entire world would be unrecognizable. Tons of people would never have been born. There are too many variables to mention. So the idea of them, of number five coming back right the a week before the apocalypse is supposed to strike. Like, I get that because everyone's finally together. It's the only chance he has to get everyone on this. But by the end of this, they're saying, no, we have to go back way further in time because that's the only way to really affect any change. If we can affect how we were as kids, that will change the future, not last-minutely trying to stop it within one week. It's a good ticking clock. Um, but no, I don't hate time travel. I just think that the minute the time travel is successful, the whole movie never happened because you never had to go back in time because there never was a problem. Futurama does it really well. Uh, someone comes back in time to stop Richard Nixon. He does it. He wins the presidency. He becomes president, but then he fades away because since he won, the future never happened, so he never got sent back in time, and Nixon is still president again. <laughs> so it's like this, this whole circular nature of no matter what you do, you can't really change the future. It's set in stone. There's, yeah, there's an alternate theory to that, and um, Michael Crichton touches on it really well in Timeline, um, and that's no matter what you do, the past has already happened, the future's already set, and nothing you can do can change what's uh, already happening in your reality. And Wait, didn't also, they make a movie on that? Timeline? Yeah. Timeline's, uh, yeah, it's a book, but it's they, they made a movie a while back. and With I Paul Walker and Gerard Way, or Gerard Butler and... 
Well, yeah, if Gerard Butler, sh- I definitely need to see it, but... Yeah, it was not that great. They, the Gerard Butler films never are, the but gosh, really I like good. him. The book was better. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, the idea that um, Can I Vanya, talk- we don't know about being, you know, if she finished playing, we honestly don't know what would have happened. We know that the building was crumbling down around us, but it's because she's distracted and shoots off all of her energy up at the moon, and the moon hits the earth, and the earth is destroyed. That's what the apocalypse is. And so it's, did we actually stop it? Did we cause it? What would have happened? We have no idea. So this whole this whole rant that you got started on was because I was talking about the episode the day that wasn't and that luther has this imagination uh thing where he dances with uh rumor uh crap i'm forgetting her real name um it's hard they have so many names they have numbers names and then they have their superhero names and then their real names and the actors names yeah. uh no um but she uh they have this whole thing where they they dance uh, in the middle of a park, and it's a, a very beautiful scene. So adorable. Um, that's also something else, too. They did a cool thing with the castings. They Allison. Ch- Allison, that's right. Um, they changed a couple ethnicities. Uh, ethnicities? Yeah, what you said. <laughs> uh, like Diego and uh, Allison, though Diego's was always his name, uh, Diego, Allison, and uh, Ben, they changed them to be actual different uh well good because i mean all these people were born all the way around the world they exactly. should have been a bunch of different ethnicities well yes um though technically in the original comic book it wasn't but i'm okay with this change because i like the diversity we're gonna it find shows, more and more things it shows how different this family diversified. is there's a reason like guys there's a reason they introduced agnes you mean gentrified there's a reason they introduced agnes the donut lady and that uh that Cha-Cha is still here and that the person who's the organizer of time is a woman. They had to so hard because there are no female chicks in the original story except our two possibly most powerful people on this entire group, Rumor and Vanya. They are the most powerful and in the end, they are the two that have the strongest bond of this sisterly bond of trying to realize that you were never there for me and I always wanted to be there for you. It's very Gamora and Nebula, to be very honest. It's easier to forgive the parent, the abuser, than to sometimes forgive the person who was raised up alongside you and went along with it. With the, um, all right, so some people have said that Umbrella Academy can be a little sexist with your two female characters both losing their powers. What do you think about that, Elizabeth? Oh, I've... You know what, John? Thank you so much because I was wondering how to play the female card in this conversation without coming off like a putz. Okay. I really dig that these characters are focused on so much. I like that in the end it's the two of them that uh, uh, Allison solves the problem. I like that she figures out how to stop Vanya without killing her, which is what all of her brothers want to do. Very just like, okay, guys, we could chill out for just a moment. She is your sister after all. Luther basically tries, tries to bear hug her into submission, which he does. And I like that they have that bond. However, I am not a fan of the female character coming into her powers and then them overpowering and controlling her i got a it's very dark phoenix yeah it's it's uh like a female's powers are very rarely a source of power and joy for the person when they get them like oh cool look at the things i can do it's always oh great tragedy has been struck against me and now i am this think raven from teen titans even 
evil father constantly dealing with the demons inside her. Um, even Scarlet Or she's Witch. always like misusing them kind of like with Rumor. Yeah, exactly. So we have Rumor, again, crazy, super powerful, and she was made to be an instrument of this. And when she tries to reconcile with her sister, she loses her power. And you don't see any of the other guys deal with that. We see Klaus coming into his power, which is great, and I like it, and I love Klaus. So don't get me wrong on this. This is not a, a guy-hating thing. I like all the characters here. Uh, but then um, they make Allison play certain cards, which I don't think are in her character, like Luther admitting that he had a one-night stand with a chick finally after taking yeah, that was that, that, that was And her stupid. just giving him a look, like, really? Like, but you... Anyway. Um, it just seems like these two female characters had their lives ruined even their mother who has to be destroyed because she was made to be complicit with uh the father's plan all of these women suffer greatly the guys suffer too but the women are in a way directly related to their powers that seems very i don't know pointed so that's one thing we actually have not touched on whatsoever is it part of your theory no still literally on the edge of my seat right now (laughs) Uh, is uh, uh, Reginald Van Greaves. We have not touched on him at all. Well, what is he? He's... They have not... Not to so the last he, episode do they offer any sort of backstory that might humanize him. Yeah, anyway. if you want to talk about the worst, it's him. He like, is the worst. He made well, this problem. Yeah, he is the worst character, but he's not the worst delivered character. He, You are no, made no, to hate he's him. He's the umbrage. You hate him because he's so good at what he does. Yeah. He's an abusive father in every awful, emotionally manipulative way you can be towards a person. Yeah. And it's mind-boggling that at the last episode they decided to throw in a tiny little bit about how he had to leave someone because of the plague or something. And then we know we know nothing else besides the fact that he uh, locked the one daughter he couldn't control into an underground bunker and then made his other daughter spellcaster and made her forget she ever had powers to begin with and told her she was nothing and insignificant and it's so strange to think that he could train the boy who had a Cthulhu come out of his stomach but not her. Yeah, that's so strange. It's like, oh, she had a little bit of an attitude. Oh, I can't control her. Yeah, exactly. Like That's like, mm-hmm, stop it. Uh, yeah, no, he is the absolute worst. And even knowing that he killed himself to bring his children together doesn't give me any sort of Oh, you were a good father. No, no. Oh no, he's he's not a good father. That's why I like the time travel thing at the end of this. If they go back and have to relive as their children selves and have to like restructure how they grew up and how to be better to each other, that's how you can fix the future. That's how you stop the apocalypse. Not just coming back and fighting someone with punches. It's an interesting. That would be an interesting uh, theory and uh, everything like that. But yeah, I was like, I knew we would hate it. Like if we'd gotten through everything, like oh, we never touched on the father. <laughs> uh, no, I my conspiracy theory is. I'm, I'm now. I feel like I've hyped it up too much. Um, so the the time lord lady that uh, she has this weird thing about coming back at times or. Like, you think she's dead? She got blown up and comes up with just some scarring. What if she showed up before she got blown up? Yeah. Like, she's outside of time. She could come back at any time for anything. Yeah, but the the time outside of time, or this area outside of time, literally got blown up. And she was in the middle of it. And, I mean, yeah, she had some scarring on her face. Therefore, showing that it was after that. Um how does she how does that work how does it how does she exist so 
my thinking is that she's somehow immortal, but not completely immortal. She says that if she dies, someone else will just take her job. So there's probably just a bunch of clones of her just waiting to like come out like a briefcase. Like a robot with a fish head? Like a robot nah. with a fish head. Okay, so here's my weird theory. What if Cha-Cha is kind of like this, too? Because Cha-Cha goes through a hell of a lot and doesn't fucking die. I think All Cha-Cha, of them do that. I think Cha-Cha is dead dead, though. Like, we see her blow up. But they're going back in time. So. Well, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm saying before the actual apocalypse. Well, she gets, yeah, she I gets agree thrown with out of a car head first and doesn't die. Well, both her and uh, Hazel should have been dead numerous times for the things that they do to their bodies, without question. So I feel like everyone's playing a bit fast and loose with the rules. Like, rumor is literally slashed across the throat and is walking around the next day. I think they all have a bit of that metahuman quality to them. They're just, they're, they're a little stronger than they should be. Yeah. I well, that, like the that idea. Was my, that was my question. Is, is like what? Because my my thing was is in the last episode, she literally gets thrown out of a car head first into pavement, and she's still walking around. Her commitment to the mission could make me think she's robotic in some way, just like she's doing this thing. Because uh, she doesn't really seem to have the same sort of humanity that Hazel does. She cares about her partner and that he's her partner, but she never gets mad that they're getting less funding. Or that they're getting sent on shittier cases. She's like, just do the job and move on. Just do the job and move on. I don't know. It might just be more of a comment on the on your work life. Like, just letting it consume you. <laughs> so, let's talk about the future of the Umbrella Academy. Obviously, they've been renewed for another season. Um, <laughs> that they did was... the whole Avengers thing at the yeah. end of it. <laughs> the Umbrella Academy will return for season two. And um, there are still aspects of second comic they could touch on uh but ultimately here's some things i would like to see um they talk about at the very beginning and i feel like this is something that gets swept under the rug a lot is um they talk about all these women that spontaneously give birth there were more than seven there's way more than seven where are those other 80 whatever kids and you would think one of them's got to be a villain right either that or uh, a good guy and all of our guys are villains now. Um, yeah. The idea that we thought, oh, maybe they weren't all special because Vanya wasn't special. But they're like, no, Vanya was very special. So without a doubt, someone else is out there from this m- mass pregnancy that has a See, gift. I thought that the, of the 80 of the women that gave birth, that the seven that he bought were the ones that actually had powers. Those are the only ones he could find. Those are the, yeah, like those are the only ones that he actually like adopted. Like he had to track them down pre-internet era and find them and say, I will buy your child. Mm. I, will, I will pay for that. Thank you. 43 are the, is the total number of, um, of babies born. Hmm. There are 43, and we have seven of them. So where are the other 36? There's a bunch to play There's around with. There's 36 other characters that we have got to touch on. I think that's the future of the Umbrella Academy. I'd like to see where that goes. I think that's a good idea because with Leonard, we had a bit of an Incrediboy thing. Like, I want to be a member of this. You will yeah. never be a member of this. But you could also extend the Umbrella Academy to have more than just the seven they can be members. Yeah. They can get more members of the team. Because he actually, I think that's what 
Hargreaves' original intent was that it was supposed to be a school, that this was supposed to be the first class of the Umbrella Academy, that he, after the success of them, he was supposed to you know go on from there. But I think he gave up the idea after Ben's death. Like, yeah, he branded them as an academy, gave them logos and a look. Yeah, yeah like like the Xavier Academy of... Yeah, um, it's very much X-Men. Yeah. So that, and I think that's what he was intending. But I think, I think honestly, it probably died with Ben. So after that, he probably gave up the idea. So John, I like your idea because I feel like they probably will go back into the past. I do want to see uh, the kid actors who were very good in the flashbacks that we saw. I do want to see them explore the themes and see if they can fix themselves. But then I do want them to come back to like the present and start finding other people who are like them so they don't have another Vanya situation. Right. Yeah. Now, I have no idea where that group is going to end up because um, there there was the Vietnam thing that they touched on. Yeah. And there's more to that to be explored um, in the second comic, Dallas. Um, they they actually have a whole, I think it's five comics, and in like one of the comics, they're in um, they're in Vietnam the whole time. So, um, but I don't think that's where they're going because they've already had Klaus go through that whole thing. So they might be going to another location. So who knows what's what's next for them? Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen with everybody because they also they did one other weird thing. Um, that I don't remember them doing in the series, or sorry, in the comic. Klaus has a relationship slash follower uh, with Ben, the 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 dead Umbrella Academy um, brother. family brother. Um, he dies in the comics, and I don't really think you see him much else. You don't. See, we never see what actually happens to Ben in comics or the series. We right. just know he died at some point. Right. In the series, Ben is still a character. He's like a ghost that communicate. Like he's almost, um, he's almost Klaus's conscience in a Very way. Very much so. He tr- or tries to be at least. But he like he follows him around. He's like reading. But the biggest thing is that is it's almost. I think it's a clue to what they might be thinking for the future of the series. Is that Ben, even though he died as a kid is an adult as in a ghost like they brought is they said is he holding on is ben holding on to the circle because we're going to bring him back in time with us like an actual entity like actually exists in the world he's a ghost you shouldn't but have did to. he die as a kid is another thing like did he or was it something else maybe like because of his power be, that he can transport this horror thing into our realm in through his chest maybe something happened and he got transported into that realm or something like that and he got stuck between the realms i don't know but like that's the weird thing that's a question that is not answered i think they might answer it in the second series well they have been the whole series is klaus feeling like he's useless that his skill is rather unimpressive and only at the end realizing, oh, wait, no, I can do a lot more, and I've been deadening myself with alcohol and drugs. He can, yeah. He can he can communicate with the dead. He can conjure spirits. He can bring the ma- spirits into the material realm. He can also possess people. 
Um, he's actually, uh, I guess he got the uh, Scarlet Witch treatment. He's really kind of dumbed down. Yeah, he has, again, so much power. And I feel like they focus on how strong Luther is and how good Diego is at throwing his knives. I'm like, I think these other ones are just a bit more yeah, impressive. Like, for real, Diego and Luther are really the weakest members. They are, yeah, they are. They're, they're, their powers are, like, their powers are... flashy. Are, they're yeah, flashy, but they're not They're good. face value. There's no depth to them. Oh, oh he can throw a knife for a little while. Okay, what else can you do with it? Uh, that's it. I he's, think he's, he's, he's bullseye. <laughs> was supposed to be able to um, hold his breath indefinitely is another power that Kraken has. That's oh, cool. That's cool, but, I mean, like, they have not shown that. I mean, his stutter may be, like, a, a thing with it, but that's it. And uh, I think Beast Boy is supposed to continue Space growing. Boy. Space Boy is supposed to continue growing as, like, a the – the body is supposed to continue into this head being like the only human more thing and more about monkey him. yeah uh, yeah so and they did a lot oh that was one of the other things um diego's ex uh her treatment i also did not care for much at all oh his ex-girlfriend the, yeah the, the cop, cop. Who yeah was completely good and and knows what she's doing that, and doesn't was... take his shit and holds him accountable and then of course she gets killed up too it's like guys come that on that was like why why that was kind of a weird plot point is like why give him a revenge plot it was kind of unnecessary. He already had the motivation. like, And again, this entire series could have been wrapped up in five episodes if they ever just freaking talked to each other. No one so many family knows how to communicate. There were so many times it was like, hey, where's Klaus? Oh, he just left. Oh, man, I needed to talk to him. Well, I'm going to go try to find him. Oh, no, I just got into some hijinks. Hey, where's Diego? Oh, he just left looking for you. Oh, well, I'll go look for him. Oh, no, some hygiene. They just never talk, ever, ever, Well, ever. Elizabeth, coming from a family that you probably did communicate and um, actually had dinner at the same table and, yeah. um, you know, love each other, um, you would, I wouldn't expect you to understand, just like the Game of Thrones thing. <laughs> How about this? With many things, even when it's not family members, if the people in the show or movie just talk to each other for like five minutes, we could resolve all of this. Now, I did actually figure out what song it was, and it, they did play it during the trailer. I don't think it's this actual song. This is the one I'm thinking of, but it might be. But it's definitely this song. Um, I love this song. It may not be the version of this one. If it is, that's but it might awesome. be. But it, but it might, might not. not be. But it so might be. So what's the song? Hazy Shade of Winter. I love that song. I just the 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 guitar riff. Shut up. The guitar oh, he riff. Johnny builds and he builds and he builds. <laughs> but this song might be it. <laughs> but it might not be. But there was a one from ten years ago. Aaron, I'm what's glad the fucking song? <laughs> if, I'm glad you found another Gerard Way song in there. Really that's should. I don't I don't know if that's the version that I like a lot because I don't know that Gerard Way is the one that I like. Should we pause the, the podcast and listen to it? It would be cool if we could actually put it on there, uh, but I don't want to get in trouble. I tell you what, I'll edit. Uh, what five seconds before international laws take just over? Just that guitar, oh, so just that building, okay. just that building guitar at the. I'll put it at the very end for you. I'll just riff it in, and if not, I'll sing an approximation of it for the no, listeners. I just did, <laughs> um, but I I love that song because they have it in the trailer. So, um, I am I I'm, I was. I was a little um, adverse or I was not looking forward to this being adapted because things have been adapted from comics in the past and just not done well. Like Marvel's Agents of the Shield and um, some other comic book series have been done well, but just not done right. 
this was done well. This was, was done right. Agents of Shield ever a comic? Not really, but it was a comic book. I, I mean, got, they've okay, got so comic book characters. So it's like based on comic. Oh, we yeah. could talk about. Um, I mean. Iron I mean, Fist. Maybe that's a series, uh, another podcast that you guys might like that I wouldn't mind joining in. Is I watched the first. Let's check the DC animated movies. Like I'm, I'm down for that. There's a couple really good ones in there. We've talked before many times about how the Suicide Squad animated movie. There's is a new. Smaller. There's a new one that I haven't watched. Well, I don't even think it's new anymore. It's just I haven't watched it yet, so it's new to me. Yeah. There's a Flashpoint Paradox. There's the one Under the Red Hood. There's the one oh, where Batman the under has contingency pa- plans to kill all the Justice League members. Yeah, we've seen that one. No, that's it. That, those are all ones that I've seen that I've really oh, liked. Yeah. They've really kicked ass. And then there's the Wonder Woman one, which I'm pretty sure has the exact same plot as the actual movie. Uh, of 1984? Of the original one? No, of the original one. That's why I didn't watch it. It's like, I don't want to get, I don't really want to watch the same movie twice. It's why I didn't watch the live action and Suicide Aaron, Squad. And Aaron, that is why we are not the demographic for the live action remake of The Lion King. We don't <laughs> want to do the same thing twice. But, uh, so. I think this series did a great job. They held true to the source material, but they did it in a. They took it into a new direction. It's great, even if you haven't read the comics. And and, yeah, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. So I'm glad there's more coming. So I'm looking forward to that. Two thumbs way up. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. John, thanks for joining us. Yeah, whatever. I was glad to be here. Oh, yeah, there you go. Sweetheart. Uh, well, uh, John, do you have anything else to say before um, you get your soul wrecked? Again, like you know, Thanos demands your silence. Um, don't post any in-game or Game of Thrones spoilers. Let's give it at least three weeks before we even start talking about it. You know. Well, I tell you what, I can give you two because we will be silent for the next two weeks. But next episode, two weeks from today, will be the spoilerific Avengers Endgame. And that may just be another guest episode. Woo! So, uh, again, John, thanks for... Wait, wait, wait. Who's joining us for the Avengers? Am I? I'm not part it's of it. No, we it's have a, a special... Uh, it's the most ambitious crossover in podcast history, so... Oh, it should be very oh, okay. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, John, again, thanks for joining us. We really love having you on here. as well. Hey, he, he's Elizabeth... Or, no, sorry, she's Elizabeth, <laughs> and he's Aaron. Oh my god, you just and, fucked uh, that up hardcore. Uh, so, no, I, he's Elizabeth and Aaron, and she's Elizabeth and Aaron, and I'm Jonathan, and they're married to Idea, and I'm not married to anything, so let's do this. Be sure to follow us on all the social medias. Hop on audibletrial.com slash married to the idea for your free trial. And as always, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.